This broadcast is brought to you by Integrity Staffing Solutions. At Integrity, we're passionate about connecting great talent with great companies across North America. For more information on how our custom, flexible workforce solutions can help solve your biggest challenges, visit us online at integritystaffing.com. We're now listening to HR Liftoff in three, Welcome back, Liftoffers. I hope you are all doing well. I have Tatiana Cure with me, and she is going to talk to you about all things talent acquisition and recruiting. And we are actually going to start. She is a recent author. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up writing a book? Because I'm very jealous of this. (laughs) I I want to write a book, but it is a really good book. So please tell folks about it. Yeah, so uh, my background, I actually went to college for political science. So I didn't grow up, you know, wanting to be a recruiter. I actually didn't even know that that existed. Um, But I uh, paid for college while working uh, in sales. So uh, while in sales, I had a friend who um, joined a staffing firm, and the president of the company was looking to expand. So, So we got introduced and I accepted a job for a recruiter that I didn't know what that actually meant. And on my first day, they're like, here's a computer, here's a phone, you're a recruiter now, go, mm-hmm. go recruit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> but it's it's been a, a fantastic uh, career growth that I've experienced both external and the staffing firm and internal for specific companies as well. Um, and I really be, have become very passionate about uh, helping manage managers uh, hire their right talent at the right time. And so during the pandemic, uh, well, let me back up, I would say, at any situation, every day, I look for opportunities to really learn and expand my knowledge any way I can. Uh, so I happen to be head of talent acquisition and learning. So I have to feed kind of both sides of my brain. Um, and so uh, during the pandemic, I decided, okay, well, I'm not commuting. So how am I going to spend this time that I can look back on however many months or now years that pandemic has happened and I can um kind of like look back and say like I use this time doing something I really wanted to do and I had passion for Uh, so I decided to write a book for two reasons one to to really feed that passion for helping managers hire their right talent but also my desire to learn uh, because it really allowed me to go outside of my day-to-day and learn what it's like to you know what does editing a book mean what does writing a book mean what does publishing a book mean what does the audiobook look like and mm. so forth so it's it's been it's been wild uh, learning opportunities and what is the name of the book So it's called Hire to Win, the Practical Guide for Attracting and Interviewing Top Talent. So, and I'm going to put that in the podcast notes for everyone that is interested, including Tatiana's contact information. Um, And I think we have a lot of listeners that probably perked up and they were like, we need to hire top talent. Yes. Like nobody says, let's hire not good people, right? (laughs) You know, but especially post pandemic, what have you seen, I would say maybe trend wise, that's changed a little bit or changed the trajectory of being able to hire that top talent? 
Yeah, so I think there there were some major changes, especially when it comes to candidates' behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So candidates are no longer just solely looking for bigger paycheck. They're also considering, you know, how is the employer aligns with their own values? And that may include diversity, equity, and inclusion, social responsibility, even working remotely, right? They likely wouldn't accept or reject an offer just on those factors alone. But when comparing to existing offers or uh, comparing to their current situation, those are becoming more and more important as a factor for them to consider. Right. So then active candidates also are applying to job postings or who are applying to job postings are paying particular attention to how the job description is written. No longer are they, you know, just looking for this like canned job description that mm-hmm. looks the same from everywhere. They're more likely to apply to roles that are more descriptive and they know what they're getting themselves into, which by the way, also includes compensation expectations, right? So that way they can ensure they're not wasting their own time. And then lastly, I would say uh, there's also just an expectation for speed, for speedy interviews, right? So now that doesn't mean to shorten one hour interviews to half hours because ultimately the part that gets cut short is the opportunity for the candidate to ask questions. And again, this will play a role, especially if they're comparing multiple offers or considering to stay at their current company, right? Remember that they're interviewing the companies too. um, And if they don't have enough information on an employer, they likely will go with what they already know. It's like that saying, Mm -hmm. the the beast you know is better than the beast you don't know. Well, and so that goes along with my next question, because I definitely will probably talk more about speed, uh, because I think we've all experienced, whether it's the the famous panel interviews, you know, where there's five to seven people and it's quick fire and, you know, or, you know, the ever loved, oh, you're going to talk to the next person. You're like, out of how many? And unless you can answer that and it's intelligent, I think it very very much is like, well, it might be another three people, maybe another four people. And you're like, this is going to take forever. Um, But I, I talk to a lot of folks that they're like, well, you know, I have an interview on my schedule. It's on my calendar. Here's the job that it's for. Here's the job description that I'm hiring for. I'm I'm the hiring manager, but it's in flux what the next steps might be. And that might be because finance has a say, of course, you know, or other people. Have you found that sometimes people are in a mixed position and that muddies the water for the candidate? Do you know what I mean? And let me ask it a clearer way. You know, you might be the hiring manager. Uh, and you're like, yep, we need it. And then the position might change a little bit, or you might get feedback from one of your internal team. And you're like, well, that's not the same position. You know, like that's actually a different position. We can't add those responsibilities. Do you see that happen a lot? Uh, yeah. And when when that happens, that typically happens when the hiring manager tries to, you know, act quickly. And and, and I can respect that, right? Uh, because they, you know, hiring is one of many priorities that they have on their to-do list. So they kind of cobble together a job description by borrowing from other job descriptions and so forth. Mm-hmm. And they try to figure out the interview process along the way, right? But, but they never really aligned with the interview team. 
team. They never really ask them um, to, to interview and assess specific uh, attributes. So what ends up happening for the candidate side, right, they typically end up having kind of the same conversation three to seven times, you know, walk me through your resume. What are your strengths? What are your oh, weaknesses? You're right. You're right? so right. Yes. So, you're, so they're just kind of scratching the surface. And then what ultimately then ends, ends up happening uh, most of the time, companies end up hiring someone just based on like, they just have such an awesome personality. And then they bring them in, but but very quickly realize their challenge that they were hoping to solve or the obstacle that they were looking to overcome with this new hire isn't being solved because the, the candidate is not coming with the right attributes that they were looking to have. There was no alignment, mutual fit, both short-term and long-term. They liked their personalities. They could have gone out for a drink with them at a bar. You didn't have to hire them, right? <laughs> yeah. You could have um, stayed in touch, but not for this job, right? You know? <laughs> right, right. And so, and you know, that those interviewers, they actually want to help. They actually, they're like, wow, this hiring manager respects my opinion. They want my, my feedback. They want to give it to them, but they have no direction as to what attributes they're looking to to assess, you know, what why were they even asked to interview? So again, so they have this like very vague um, you know, interview, which time could have been spent much better and they could have provided much more effective, you know, data for the hiring manager. Like you said, ultimately it's the hiring manager who needs to make that decision. But wouldn't it be better if they made more better, more informed decisions based on the feedback that they're given from interviewers rather than just spending, you know, 30 minute kind of get to know you conversations. Yeah. And I fit, I mean, I've done this myself too, across the years where I'm like, okay, um, well, wait a second. And I might be pinch hitting for somebody else, but then I have a very high likelihood of just talking. Where I'm like, here's everything that I think that you should know about this position. And then I think we finally learned like, okay, we need to streamline this. There's there's tools that we can put together and use. But you do a really good job of that in your book. You know what I mean? Like there's templates, there's matrices. Can you talk about a couple of those? Because those help. Yeah, so I would say the recruiting intake is probably the best tool that hiring teams can use. I often use this analogy of not using the recruiting intake tool and hiring is almost like putting an IKEA furniture together without looking at the directions. So you can do it, you can try to do it, but then you may come all the way to the end, just to realize, oh, yeah, I need to restart and actually follow those directions. There's always (laughs) extra pegs and an FLIF over Allen wrench and you're like I don't even know where the third one came from (laughs) always is so true very good analogy (laughs) yeah yeah so the recruiting intake just really forces the manager to sit down and you know I don't know about you but before I started using the recruiting intake and if I just asked a hiring manager like so what are you looking for they typically will have like a long you know laundry list I'm like well they need to have 10 years of experience in this specific field and MBA and they need to have a, you know, these amazing Excel skills and good communicator and professional and organized and just a team player and like all these amazing things, right? But let me, but okay, well, 
what, what are they actually hired for? How are you going to assess, uh, you know, success in three months, six months, 12 months? What is their career progression may look like? How, like, what's the hook for this job, right? Um, so why would they want this job, right? Um, so really the recruiting intake just forces the manager to sit down and think about what, like, what is the reality of what I actually need? Do I really need someone to have an MBA? Do I really need someone to have 10 years experience? Like, why would they even want this job in this case, right? Um, so recruiting intake is the best tool. And then the interview matrix is probably the second most vital tool because it facilitates more effective interviews, including identifying who's assessing which skills and in interviews. And also, um, it kind of ensures that everyone knows what their role that they're playing, they will prioritize interviews, you won't need to coordinate schedules while figuring out the interviews on the fly, it, they they will they will know what the process is, um, and you'll be able to be transparent with the candidate to to keep them engaged. Well, and I think, and I'll give an example. I think myself, you tell me this this is the right track. So usually during an interview cycle, um, my focus is more on what passion projects are you know, what their goals may be specific to culture, you know, what they're looking for, right? And for those of you that are listening who haven't been through this type of, I would say, segmentation, that really cuts down, you know, the, well, first off, the number of people that are probably on the call and the awkward silence before like, no, you go. Nope, nope, it's your turn. Nope, Tatiana, it's your turn. Megan, it's your turn. It's this, um, you can intermingle those questions with the other, um, I would say, focuses that the other parts of the group have. One person might have metrics, you know, as an example, like give me your KPIs or what, what have you, you know, worked through with those. Uh, so I think it is key because before, I can't remember a time when we didn't do that. Um, that's actually not true. I can, but I choose not to, you know, because it's just all of us talking over each other or waiting. <laughs> so um, now I want to touch on won the great resignation a little bit because I think if we don't people would be like well all right well the great resignation so what's happening there and I'm still struggling to find talent you know the talent that I'm looking for which I think as you mentioned before part of it is like really make sure to look at what you're actually hiring for and what they're doing uh, because I we do have a lot of folks that are looking for unicorn farmers you know like that's the way I like to put it <laughs> Where you're like, yep, no, they've got that too. Sure. You know what I mean? Why not? Uh, but with the great resignation, a conversation I have frequently is like, well, there should be more talent out there. Right. And do you see that? I, I have a couple different ways to answer it, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So look like great resignation just by design. They're what, what they're really, um, uh, describing is talent who's resigning from the workforce. So those are, are not available. They're resigned. So they, they either decided to become entrepreneurs and start their own businesses. So they're not going to be applying for new jobs. The gig economy is huge now. So they may mm -hmm. be deciding like, look, I don't want a full-time job. Let me just get some, uh, some gigs on the side. Um, some have decided, you know, uh, with their, with their families, maybe someone, uh, one of the partners decided to, to, to stay at home. And, and not work. So anyway, so the resignation really describes or great resignation describes uh, the resigning workforce. So I really like to talk about the great reassessment um, of candidates who uh, of talent who is really looking to assess what's important to them. And, um, and their current company may no longer align with what's important for them. So as an example, you know, if their 
company is looking to come back to work to the office five days a week. And that and they throughout the two years, they've assessed that that no longer works for them, they're going to be back in the workforce and applying for jobs, but they're going to be specifically looking for opportunities that that align with what they're looking for, which may include working remotely or working hybrid versus 100% remote, right, or 100% in the office. So, so, you know, that we can't kind of think about, well, you know, this is the time where everyone is going to be applying for jobs. No, No. it's probably going to be much less than before. And it's going to be much more challenging as well. Because again, that reassessment piece, right? They're they're assessing to make sure it's aligned with what they're looking for. So they're not going to be just accepting an offer strictly because it's just a little bit higher paycheck. What the practice I've kind of um, started to do, and it's really helped me quite a bit with managers is, you know, once we look at their recruiting intake, um, I kind of like just pull up in uh, in LinkedIn, what does the talent actually look like, right? Because a lot of times they have this long list of must have skills that they're looking for and the challenges that they're looking to solve, but the salary doesn't quite match what the, what the, what the mm-hmm. market states, right? So I go on to LinkedIn and say, look, like based on what you're saying that you need, here are five candidates who are coming up in this geography because you're looking to be in the office five days a week or hybrid. So they need to be in your geography. And based on everything that you're saying, here are the five candidates who are who are coming up on LinkedIn. Now, let's assume that we're kind of in line with their compensation, right? Like, let's assume we're not like miles and miles apart. But if we're not, we're, we're going to be cutting that five candidate pool and slicing it into smaller and smaller piece. And so we're now having like one or two candidates that we're going to go after. So are you ready? Do you realize how long of a time it may take to 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 get those candidates and so forth? Where are we willing to to make those compromises? Well, and so you said it perfectly. Thank you. I think it's aligning expectations now where folks are thinking like, oh, well, there's all these people that are available. They're not available. They're not there. A lot of folks are working. The unemployment rate is just as low. So is the forecasted unemployment. But really, we look at the labor participation rate, you know, which is much lower. Um, And I think good for some folks, right? Reevaluating and being able to do things they not necessarily thought that they were going to be able to do. Um, But we all know it's tough because it costs a lot of money to hire good talent. So it's like, where do where do you align with wages? And I will definitely say. Um, and this goes back to what you said about speed, because I read a really interesting article the other day, and it was just, it was actually someone who created it where they had applied for a hundred positions. And then they just met, they graphed out the responses that they were getting. And I think it was 78, it was 78 or 80% just said no response, no response from the employer, potential employer whatsoever. You know, I think it was 10% responded in another, like there was other in another one. Uh, which frankly, I thought still, like that used to be very common practice, I would say, you know, it's, you, you might not hear something, but in today's day and age, especially with the gig economy, like that is speed. Or even if you just contact back and say, like, we're still evaluating just some type of communication, but do you still see that a lot? 
Yeah, honestly, I do. I do see that. I see that companies ghost candidates uh, throughout the process. Um, What what really gets on my nerves is when, you know, a candidate goes through the entire interview process and then they get this like super canned response of like, we've decided to not move forward with you. Like, oh my gosh, like I just spent like five hours interviewing with you. Like I kind of deserve like some sort of phone call maybe like, or like less canned response. Um, But we honestly, we just forget that there's an actual person on the other side Mm. of the job application and switching jobs is one of the most stressful life events that someone can go through alongside of like getting married or going through a divorce, having a baby, Mm -hmm. experiencing death in the family, moving or buying a house, Mm -hmm. right? So applying for jobs and interviewing has become so transactional that somehow it has become expected for candidates to get ghosted by employers. Um, I have also found that candidates uh, have come to expect recruiters or interviewers to be late to the interview or not prepared for the conversation. Now, on the other hand, imagine how would the candidate be viewed or treated if they came came late or unprepared for the interview? So listen, like my advice to organizations is to bring the human approach back to hiring. You know, I have practiced uh, on my team that every Friday we reflect on our interview process and how it would feel if we were candidates or new hires ourselves. This has helped us ditch practices that no longer serve us and put in place practices that help uh, recognize how challenging interview uh, interviews are and starting a new job is, right? Like imagine, especially remote first, right? Mm-hmm. Like it used to be when you go into the office and you're trying to, you're you're the kind of the first day and you're the new kid on the block, you can kind of turn to the left and turn to the right to your colleagues and say like, hey, uh, you know, where's the bathroom? Like, how does the manager like to, you know, have conversations? Do they like to email? Do they have like emails? Do they like, uh, you know, in person phone calls? Uh, Do they like bullet points? Do they like a whole story? Like, what do they like? Like, now, if especially if they're starting remote, like that doesn't exist. So let's remember, like, what it feels like to be a new hire without having anybody to turn to the left or to the right to figure out the, the company or team norms are. Right. So we kind of, you know, reflect on those and try to put practices to, to help uh, that, that situation. I love this. I'm going to ask you a question that I actually just I just thought of yeah. uh, because I think there's a very separated camp for these this answer of when an applicant might need to reschedule or if there if you've started the interview and you can just you can tell it's not going right. And it's probably, it has, you haven't even probably gotten into anything with substance. It's just, there's something that is is impacting like the interview at that moment in time. Um, I am of the mindset. And I think a lot of folks are where I'm like, life happens. Like, and and you, I could either catastrophize it and dramatize and be like, well, if this happened this time, I can't imagine the next time. Like, well, there'll be a next time. And what if, what happens? And like, okay, like there's this one snippet of what, three minutes maybe, or, you know, communication, but as long as they communicate it, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Then, then we give another shot. What do you think? I might be wrong. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I honestly am of that, you know, of that mindset. Like, look, like we're all humans. Like I am of the mindset, like no one wakes up every, in the morning and says like, ooh, I can't wait to go like mess something up. I can't wait to go like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like 
have this terrible interview. Like I really strongly believe that everyone wakes up and wants to do their best period, full stop. Right. But life happens, like things happen. So we need to have a little bit of a human approach where, you know, if a manager needs to reschedule, like, oh my gosh, like what if like you need to go pick up your kid from a daycare, like, you know, like with all due respect, interviews are going to have to wait. Like you're going to have to go pick up your kid from day school, mm-hmm. from, you know, from, mm-hmm. from preschool, whatever. Um, so like, why can't we give the same respect to candidates? Like, okay, this, this is a, you know, a one, one instance, like life happens. If it continues to happen now, it's a, if it's a trend, sure. then, you know, surely we're, we're going to approach that differently. But, but if it's one time, you know, I kind of, kind of go back to say like, you know, could that happen to you? If you were a candidate, would you, would you want that respect? Like, just give it, just, you know, give candidates the benefit of the doubt that they're looking to do their best. Um, I always think of, this was a couple of years ago, I think it was somebody was being interviewed on the news, you know, and like his, his kids got into the room, you know, and then like the mom's trying to pull them out. And I'm like, well, that's on national news. Like it can happen literally to anyone, you know, but um, so another part of your book. So how do I become a talent spotter? How do people in general become a talent spotter? Cause we have really great operators that aren't in talent acquisition, you know, who I literally, if I was like, Oh, I'm going to, why don't you start on the talent acquisition team? They would probably have a panic attack. Like, that's not what I, that's mm -mm, no, thank you. But they also are the best people to know the roles they're hiring for because they've either done them or they manage them. So how, how do people become one? Right. So, you know, I kind of talk about it in two parts, right? One is that, um, you know, you can't build a team with having the same exact team members with same exact skill set or experience, just like a sports team, right? Like they all kind of have their own uh, role that they need to play. So to be a talent spotter, it's essential uh, to know the talent l- landscape, including who are the game changers, who are essentially going to change the uh, the team, who are going to be true game changers, or maybe the business, or maybe they... They may have a skill set or knowledge into a business that you are not in and you want to get in. So they're going to be game changers. You need to know those. Um, You also need to know the role players, right? If you're, you know, hiring a quarterback, you need to know who the quarterbacks are in the, in, Mm -hmm. uh, in the field. Right. And then there's the stretch candidates who are maybe looking for their next level up in, uh, in their career. Right. So each of these types of talent may bring something unique and and special to the team. For example, you know, stretch, candidate uh, may be looking for their next uh, role. So they may work harder to prove themselves. They may even stay longer with the company or the team if they're growing professionally and personally with the company. At the same time, the hiring manager needs to realize that there's a time and place for for that role, for that person, uh, because there needs to be additional time and resources that need to be spent in training that person and bringing them up to speed. Um, So so you you need to kind of know what kind of talent that you're dealing with and how to engage them, because you may not, this may not be the right time to hire that game changer. It might be not the right time to hire the stretch candidate, right? So you need to... 
you need to keep in touch with them. And a lot of companies talk about the importance of proactive hiring or building pipelines. And that includes building relationships with the candidates who are out there. And that approach to building relationships is going to differ. If you're, for example, inviting a candidate to a sports event would be well taken by a game changer who's looking to feel Mm -hmm. courted Mm -hmm. versus a stretch candidate who may appreciate more of the opportunity to attend a conference that would show the commitment to professional growth. So anyway, that's part one. And then part two is look like we don't know everything. Not one person knows everything. Like even if you've done that role in the past and so forth, we need to rely on other people to help us to to spot that talent, right? So again, I go back to um, to having an interview matrix, even if you're not actually hiring uh, for that specific role right now and just building a pipeline, but you need to identify who is uh, assessing the technical skills. It may be the hiring manager, but it may not be, right? Like if if I asked, you know, an a, a chief HR officer uh, to interview, you know, a payroll specialist, like, I don't know, maybe there's someone else who's better fit to assess technical skills skills versus an HR manager who may may have not actually processed payroll for the last 20 years, Mm -hmm. right? True. So so you need to assess, um, you know, who are you going to trust to help uh, identify where that candidate's strengths uh, are and, you know, who, what kind of talent they are, are they uh, role player, are they stretch and so forth, and then build a plan, a communication and relationship plan of how to stay in touch with them. So Tatiana, we, you've given so much, where can everyone find you? And I'm going to put it in the show notes, but let's make sure that she says it out loud so everybody can verbally hear her say it. Yeah. Well, look, uh, you can check out my book on Amazon. It's Hire to Win. It's available on paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Uh, check out the free re- resources and templates on howtowintalent.com uh, and connect with me on LinkedIn, Tatiana Cure. And I will say this, so for those of you that might be listening that are HRMs or in a hiring position, and especially if you have staff underneath and you might not have some of what she talked about, go onto her page for the online resources uh, because those are available. Um, and you should order the book too, quite frankly, you know, <laughs> but, but check out all of it because uh, especially when we've seen a lot of new startup companies cross-functional roles, a lot of folks that might be in HR that also oversee recruiting. Um, You might have something, but these are updated and just give a good starting point and walk you through. Um, so I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast today. And thank then you so much for having me. <laughs> hopefully we'll have a round two at some point when it's further away from like the completion, hopefully knock on wood of the pandemic and be talking about something other than the great resignation, you know, for this time. But thank you so much. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to this episode of HR Liftoff. At Integrity, we believe opportunity is everything. We take an associate-first approach because when our associates succeed, our clients succeed. Whatever you need, we're ready to support. We partner with clients large and small to deliver custom staffing solutions that provide the cost, service, and scalability efficiencies you need to stay competitive. Learn more at integritystaffing.com.